Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Well, I feel like I might be dying soon. That's how it's been the last week. It's like these last words. No, it's right. It's not going to happen, John. It's not going to happen. I'm on a holiday first, at least. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on a bang. Anyway, enough of death. Let's talk about life. So uh, my message, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to preach on in case I do get struck down in the next 10 seconds, and at least you'll know. Uh, my message title is this. Don't hang on, press on. Don't hang on, press on. Okay, that is, that is it. We're going to unpack that. But over the next three months as a church, uh, mine and Kate's desire is that you guys don't hang on. The last thing we want is you just hanging on till we get back. Holding the fort. I don't want anybody talking about holding the fort, right? That's not where we are. That's not where we're going. That's not what we're going to be as a church. We are pressing on, even without the pastors because it's not all about us. Our, our job in Ephesians 4.11 is to equip the church. Okay, You've had enough equipping to, uh, to, to give us three months off. All right, uh, Enough equipping, not just to survive, but to thrive. That is what every one of us, if you're a member of this church, if you're on holiday and catching up online, that is the message. Not just to hang on, but to press on. We, want you to, we, don't, we don't want you just to get through the next three months. If anybody says to you, if anybody in your small groups, in your relationships, in your friendships, if anybody talks about just getting through or holding on, then just I don't, slap them, just in the Lord. <laughs> just, if you need to be gentle with some people, do, do whatever you need to do, but let's, let's make sure that language has no place over the next three months, because... Uh, you, you guys have had enough input and will still continue to get enough input from the senior leadership team, from the ministry leaders, from your small group leaders, from your mentors, every, everybody you're connected with. You, you've got, you're going to have enough and you've got enough to thrive and press on into the next three months. We're going to turn to the book of Philippians to help us with this concept. Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read 12 verses. You know, um, we should be reading more chunks of Scripture. I'm talking to the preachers and leaders now before I go. Let's make sure that we don't just do sand bites. Let's make sure we get into some of the context and the meat and the depth of what is happening in the Scriptures. So I'm going to uh, just make a few comments as we go along, but we're going to crescendo. We're going to land in... Uh, in about 12 verses time, but we're going to start from the top. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them, turn them on, but if you haven't, then the scripture is going to be up on the screen behind me. Are you ready? This is the Word of God. We don't take it lightly. We, we, we read it diligently. We absorb it. We meditate on it because it is life to us. It's life to our souls. It's life to those around us, and um, we want to Treat it respectively, honorably, but with all uh, due diligence in terms of the power and the freedom that it brings. Philippians 3. This is the Apostle Paul, and he says, he's speaking to the church at Philippi. He says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice 
in the Lord. That's a good start, isn't it? Rejoice in the Lord. This is the Philippines is the book of joy, and it's scattered throughout it. And here it is right from the outset of Philippians 3. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I, myself, Paul says, have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He even goes on in the next verse of chapter, uh, uh, in the next few words of chapter 8, say, I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. This word here, garbage, is a pretty crude word. It could literally be the kind of the bottom of the wheelie bin. I, I cleaned ours out after Kate smelt it the other day. So I got some fairy liquid and some, some the kettle of boiling water. And it did the maggots and everything. I don't want to go into it too much. Teas and coffees afterwards with biscuits and cakes. But, <laughs> but it, it, it stunk to high heaven. And uh, I, I, I cleansed it out. And this is the kind of word that Paul is saying. He's saying all of his good deeds, all of his righteousness, all of his acts, all of his works um, for, for his religion, they count as garbage. In fact, you could actually say this word could be as well translated excrement. That is the severity of this word that Paul is saying. Of all the quote-unquote good things and the acts I've done, I count them absolutely rubbish, is my old, for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. That I may gain Christ, verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I'm here in this context of, of, of reading these scriptures to remind us all, maybe if you've come, you've visited today, watching online, and you're thinking, what is all this church about? Well, yeah, we're a bunch of crazy people because we come across as crazy because the world thinks that you have to earn salvation. You have to do works to get to heaven. But the Bible says something totally different. It says that Jesus did all the works for us. Because if we do them, we will never achieve the perfection that is required to get into a perfect heaven with a perfect God. That's why Jesus came. He did the works. The works were finished on the cross when he was crucified, where he gave himself the perfect man from heaven we take on his perfection 
because he was perfect. You, you and I, we can work as much as we want. We can serve on the rotors at church. We can, we can get in this group. We can serve in that way. We can do works in this way. But they're not good enough to get you to heaven because you have to be perfect. And that perfection is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. Verse 9, what we've read, and then verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation even in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. These will be poignant words for the Apostle Paul because he was coming to the end of his life and ministry. He knew that he was going to, he'd already suffered for Christ. He knew that he was going to die for the cause of Christ and he was, he was crucified just like Jesus. But he says he wants to know Christ. Do you know Christ? I'm asking a rhetorical question, you don't have to ask about it. But I'm saying, do you know Christ? I'm not talking about do you know of him, but do you know him? I'm not talking about, do you know somebody who knows? I'm saying, do you know him? I, I'm not even talking about, do you pray once in a while at night before you go to sleep? I'm saying, do you know him? I'm not even saying, do you come to church? But do you know him? Because you can do all those things and not know him. When the Bible talks about knowing, it's talking about an intimacy. It's talking about the knowing that only a man, a husband, and a wife know each other. You know, Kate can just give me that look, and I know. Especially when we're out with friends at a meal or something, and she just has to give me the look. She hardly has to move any body movements, but just a slight movement of the eye, and I know I've stepped over the mark. It's that knowing, that intimacy and 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 just as a man and woman come together physically intimate that is something of the picture of what God wants with us he wants utter intimacy Christianity uh, it might be known as a religion and it, and it and it is a religion but it's so much more than that it's a relationship with the one who created the heavens and the earth it's a relationship with the one who formed you in your mother's womb you, nobody here is an accident God saw you before the beginning of time and he had, he had a plan for your life that, that to do to do good works but you don't do those good works to get to heaven that is all dealt with 2,000 years ago. But he has good works for you to do as a response to him saving you, as a response for him uh, having a plan for you, as a response to him loving you, as a response for him to, to him having a plan and a purpose for your life. So let's make sure over these next few months that we know him and know him more. You'll never get to know. My theory is, and I think this is theological, theologically sound, that we will never fully understand God because he's infinite. Even in heaven, we will be learning about him forever and ever and ever because he's so vast. He's so infinite. He's, he's so big. Yet, we can, so we can still get to know him more and more day by day and that's our heart's desire over these next few months that you get to know him more 
and more. And something significant, something of a catalyst, something of a springboard, I want to put it to you prophetically, is in the offing this morning. God is speaking to all. He's saying, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is a helper. And the Holy Spirit right now wants to help us all to know him. I, I don't care whether you don't know him at all. He can help you to know him right now, this morning, today, tomorrow, next week. He can help you and he wants you to know him. Maybe you're a relatively new Christian. You can know him more. It might feel like, I know God and you're singing and you're dancing, you're rejoicing. And the fact that you've become a Christian is amazing. That The light's been turned on in your soul uh, you're the same person you were yesterday, but you, you know Jesus, and, and, you, and you know something of his power and his presence in your life. You have peace that you've never had before. That, might, that, that is amazing in contrast to not knowing Christ, but there's still so much more. And, and maybe you've been on the Christian walk for decades. I'm here to say that God has not finished with you. There is still more. I'm not talking about little crumbs, just little bite-sized chunks. God's got vast, vastness. He's got great things for you. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how young or old you, you, you are, you are not over the hill. You are, nobody's over the hill in God. He's got more for you. So do you know him? Do you know him? Do you want to know him more? The scriptures continue, and this is where we're, we're starting to come into land. And, and by the way, he says to not just to know him, but to know the power of his resurrection. And, and I don't think this is just talking about when Christ was raised from the grave, that we have that, that resurrection experience when we get born again. I believe it's, it's, the, it's that power that resides in us to do mighty works, to do exploits. Jesus says you would do greater things than, than I will do. Why? Because we've got the power, the resurrected power of Christ in us. So you, not just in your churchy stuff, ministries, but you in your, your walk, your work, your relationships, you've got the power of God. If you know Christ, you have the power of God. The Bible says that we've got everything we need for life and godliness. We, we've got it all. We just need to recognize that and get it out. God has deposited. There's nothing more. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. There's nothing more Jesus needs to do to improve, uh, to give you every chance of succeeding, prospering in life. He's done it all. You've got it all within you. Your job is to, to get it out. Our job is to help each other to release that resurrection power within us. This is a good news. This is a exciting news. Verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal. I've said it already. Nobody, none of us have arrived. None of us will, quote unquote, arrive. We've, we've got everything we need for life and godliness, but none of us have got it all out. But we, we strive to do that for his namesake. So here we come to the verse where I, I want us to touch down on. This is our destination. This is where I want to leave you for the next three months. 
Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. We're not going to hang on. We're going to... Okay, let's try that again. We're not going to hang on. We're going to... We're not going to hang on. We're going to... You need to keep telling yourself that. Maybe every time you look in the mirror in the morning, you're brushing your teeth. I don't know how that's going to work with a toothbrush in your mouth, but I'm not going to hang on. I'm going to press on. Maybe you need some other plan. Maybe that's not a good one. But, but declare it because you're aligning yourself to what God wants in the Word of God. You're going to press on. In fact, the language here, I press on to take hold, is literally, if you take the, 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 the Greek language in the translation, it's kind of to pull down. So there's some, there's, there's is definitely an active tense here. Uh, there's, to some degree, uh, an aggression in this uh, and an intent. It's not passive. And God's saying, look, I want you to press on and take hold of this. It's a little bit like um, rugby. I'm not into rugby, but I understand it enough to know that you want to get the man with the ball, right? But it's not about getting the man with the ball. It's about pulling him down, get him in, getting him in a lot with your arms legally. I think it's below the knee, whatever it is, not around his waist. And, and pulling him down. So you get the ball, you get the man. You've, you've grasped hold. And that is what Paul is saying here to the Christians at Philippi. He's saying, take hold aggressively. It's determined language. Pull down everything. It reminds me a little bit of Jacob, if you know the Old Testament. Jacob wrestling with God. He wouldn't let go till God blessed him. I, I, I want us all to have that attitude, um, not just in these next few months, but, but to help us to, to align ourselves with what God wants and to, to set something in motion that won't just be a three-month thing, but it will catapult us into the next stage of our Christian walk. Because you know your Christian walk, yeah, our whole lives, I've said this to a few people, our whole lives are like, like a book. Okay, and, and, and every day we wake up, we turn a page. And who knows what's on that page, but there's something to be written there and it might be a mundane thing it might just be just just doing the things that you're doing in the season of life and if that's kids it's school it's it's parenting and all the rest of it and if you're older then it's it's different things but every every day is like a page that you turn over but if we were to look back maybe write our own autobiography and look back we would see clear defined chapters because there are times in our lives that it might seem just like another turn of a page, another turn of a page, another day, another turn of a page. But I want to put it to us that today and in one sense and this next three months in another sense is the turn of a page which reveals a new chapter. That's what God wants. He won't force himself, but he's looking for us to respond. I want to say that prophetically to us as a church, to us all individuals who make up that church. Uh, that even people maybe online uh, and, and maybe people in the room and you're not even sure if you're a Christian, I believe that you're not here by accident. And God is saying there is a time if you keep pressing on, if you keep pressing on, I don't know whether it's tomorrow, I don't know whether it's next week, I don't know whether it's right at the end of the three months, but I believe there's a chapter turn. 
There's something that significantly shifts the new narrative in your life. I don't know for some people whether that's, that's, that's ministry, uh, whether it's relationship, but I'm saying there's something. But out of all the possibilities, the one main thing which I am confident in that God wants to be the heading of this new chapter is that we know him more. That we know him more. Because we can count everything else as garbage compared to knowing him and his resurrection power. You've got it on the grow model as illustrated on the journey planner when you come in and you can pick up a leaflet and, and that first section is knowing God. Knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, making a difference. That's what God's outlined in the scriptures for each and every person alive on planet Earth. We want to start by knowing him and we can know him more and more verse 13 brothers and sisters I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing I do just one thing one thing he does he's not making a list of top 21 tips he's saying the one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's it. That's, that's the mandate. That's the, the commissioning that, that I give each and every one of you from the scriptures. To press on. To win the prize. You can, you can sense the language, can't you? It's competitive. It's Athletic, it's active. In fact, the, the same author here, the Apostle Paul, uh, he talks to, I think it's the church at Corinth, and he says, run the race as if to win. Run the race as if to win. In fact, I don't think it's Corinth. I can't remember, but he definitely said it. Run the race as if to win. And every one of us, now we can't all win, but we can all win. Uh, but we, but the, the emphasis you run is if to win. You know, if you're setting out competitively in anything, then in terms of like athletics in this example, you have to train. There has to be discipline. And it's no different here. I don't know whether any of you have been a Christian any length of time have, have worked this out yet. I trust you have. But it doesn't come to you on a plate. The world sucks you in. Your flesh wants to go a different direction to what God's spirit wants you to go. That's all explained in Galatians 5. It's not by default, is it? But it's by determination. It's by discipline. And anything in life really takes, takes discipline in order to, to move forward into and achieve something. He gives us three things that I want to start just to, to land in on. He says, forgetting what is behind, he says, straining towards, and then he says, focusing on what is ahead. These are our key strategies for the next three months. To forget what is behind. Now, in Paul's context here, he's talking about all the quote-unquote good things that he's done. He's saying he's not even going to count on them. But he's going he's gonna to press on. He's not going to look back and glory in uh, yesterday and, and whatever He's saying, I'm here now. I've got to keep pressing on. I can't just 
I can't just bask in what even the good things that God has helped me with in the past and done for me. I've got to keep pressing on. There's no, and again, you've probably realized this if you've been a member of the church at least a small amount of time, is that this isn't the kind of church where you just sit and just not do much and just glide by and hang on and, no, 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 because that's not what God wants. And we want you to achieve what God wants you to achieve, and that is to press on. So we don't count the chickens, we don't, we don't look back, and we don't think, that was great, that was fantastic, oh, we've done well, we, we, let's just sit back and relax for a little bit. No, we've got to keep pressing on. There's a whole world who needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Our lives need perfecting more and more. There are struggles, there are temptations for us constantly that we need to overcome. We need to be better people. But there are sometimes situations that do hold us back which are negative. And it's not my remit to focus on them, but at least to mention them. You know, everybody has a past, right? And within that past, there might be good times, but I can guarantee almost certainly with everyone, there's, there's at least a disappointment uh, here or there. There's a heartache. There's a past failure. And God doesn't want you to look back on them. He wants you to look heavenwards. He wants you to look to him, the author and perfecter of your faith. He's the one who, want, who wants the best for you. He's the one on the sideline cheering you on. Anybody remember sports day? I used to love sports day. Egg and spoon race, sack race, three-legged race. Uh, you know, uh, but the, the one thing that motivated me there was, was my mum and dad on the sideline because uh, I wanted them to cheer me on. God's like that. He's cheering you on every day. Most of us don't even realize it because we're off on this direction. Off on, but he's cheering us on from heaven and there's a whole host of witnesses, Hebrews says, who are cheering us on in this thing called life that we're doing for God. So we don't want to look back, but we do want to strain towards. We probably don't want to strain, but that's part of the remit. That's part of the strategy. There is a strain. There's, you know, discipleship takes discipline. I don't know whether that's a, a simple revelation for us all, but, you know, when Jesus says make disciples, you know, one of the last commandments should be, it should be one of our first priorities. We want to become more like Christ. We want to help one another to develop Christians haven't got it all together. If you're here and you think you've got it all together because you're Christian, you, you are deceived. You haven't got it all together. But, you know, together with Christ, we've got it all. And, and, but there's always room to improve. That's why when Jesus came to the religious people, when he came on this earth, he went to the religious people first and he called them a brood of vipers. He says, you're snakes, you're hypocrites. You say one thing and then you do another. Friends, we don't want that to be us, but it is us. To some degree, it is us. Why? Because we're not perfect. We know the good we ought to do, but we don't always do it. That's why we need to keep pressing on. We don't want to just be known for the person who knows the good he ought to do, but doesn't do it, but still loves God. That's, that's not enough. That's not what God wants. God wants the very best for your life. So there is a strain. There is a discipline. How are you doing with that? How, some of you check in maybe at the gym on a regular basis. Maybe more of you want to check in at the gym on a regular basis, but, but some of you do that. And, and you know that you do that to, to build some muscle, build some resilience, get your heart rate up, cardiovascular system better. You have to pay the money. You have to get up. You have to put your gym kit on. You have to go out. It's about time and it's about discipline because you know if there's no discipline, you won't go, will you? 
or am I just, are you all, are you all going to the gym later? Is that, you're all good. It takes effort. But what about your spiritual exercise? What about your spiritual muscles? How are they being flexed? Just think for that. How are you flexing your spirit? Yeah, you're here at church and that helps, but that's not, that's not the main routine. The main routine is knowing God. If you're relying on a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, you're setting yourself up for failure or a miserable, at the best, mediocre Christian life. If you're going to experience the resurrection power, if you're going to know God intimately, you've got to put the time and effort in. It's got to be a discipline. It's got to become a habit. And over the next three months, the, it, it, look, the, the greatest joy for me coming back would be for numerous people to say, you know what, I've developed a new godly habit. I, I, I've, the Holy Spirit helped me from that day forward to, to get in his presence, to read his word, to pray more, to discipline myself, to put time aside. Listen, it's not easy, but God will help you. It's not easy, but God will help us. Does anybody know it's not easy to do that kind of stuff? I remember as a very young Christian being like on fire for God and like, ah, this is all new for me, getting up early in the morning, reading my Bible. Uh, I remember the exact house and the room I was in. It was, it was, it was a late, it was winter time and I, I, with all great intentions, I, I got downstairs, I opened my Bible. This was all new to me. I don't know whether I've been a Christian a few days, weeks or months, but I thought I, I need to do this. I know it's right. Um, put the fire on downstairs. I remember that, sitting in the seat, getting comfy, opening my Bible, and then, you know, hour and a half later, I wake up. Because <laughs> it's hard. I can't remember how I did after that. But, but, you know, here's the thing. It continues to be hard for most of us, unless you're super, super disciplined. It continues to be hard for most of us. And I had a breakthrough with this myself about six months ago. And I just knew that God was calling to discipline. I don't know if everybody else is like me, but I used to have every excuse in the sun for, for, for not getting up early and opening my Bible and praying. And it's not all about the morning, but I want to put it to you that that is the best time of the day to do it. I'm sorry. I used to say, oh, you're an evening. I used to go around saying I was an evening person. And the only reason... Maybe I was naturally a bit, you know, I like the evenings a bit better and I might function a little bit better. But it was large, a confessional booth, it was largely an excuse. Why? Because I performed better in the evening because I just performed it. I, I didn't know whether I performed better in the morning. I'd never be up in the morning. So, but I would always be up too late, working too long and covering it in some righteous language like well it needs to be done it's God's work and the pastor all the rest of it it's Lord it's a load of garbage a bit like that word there it's an excuse because actually what I was doing I was taken away from the ultimate goal to know him more see I was I, I was I was working on the things of God but I wasn't working on my relationship with him as much as I could I, I was okay but who wants to be just okay in God when there's so much more so about six months ago, God just convicted me. I can't even remember what it was. He convicted me, and, and I knew I had to do something. I've been there times in my life before, and you've probably been there as well. I knew I had to do something, uh, and I think that was it. And then, but, I, but, but I woke up, and bearing in mind, Kate will testify that I just don't wake up in the morning naturally. Uh, she's always up like 
six hours before me. No, it's not that bad. But she, she's up doing her disciplines and doing her Bible readings. And six o'clock, I think it was even before that, I just woke up. Just woke up. And I thought, right, okay, this is a bit weird. Like, woke up like awake. Not just, oh, just woke up. Heard the cat outside or something. No, woke up awake. So I had a choice there to go into the normal routine, which was just to go back to sleep, or to get up. So I thought, there's only one right thing to do. It's get up. Let's open the Bible, whatever. Next morning, 6 o'clock, awake. So get up. And it went on and on and on. To this day, I've never set an alarm since. Not on a weekday anyway. I just got up. And, 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 and there's, there's even something where it's not even a 6 o'clock thing. And I don't know whether I've told you this, Kate. But it's, it's a, ultimately, it's a 5 o'clock thing. Maybe I've got to discipline myself and work up to that. And I know, listen, I know it's not easy. And I know it's practically not easy with people at different seasons of life. Kids particularly. And, and, and if you work in shifts, I get all that. Just don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, but please do hear what I am saying. The Holy Spirit, God himself, wants to help each and every one of us. Whether we haven't got a routine, whether our routine could be better, whether it's a bit hit and miss, whether it's a bit haphazard. God never sleeps or slumbers. The minute you wake up, even before you'd normally wake up, he's ready for you. He's wanting to have this thing called fellowship, intimacy with you. He's wanting to speak to you. He's wanting to tell you about your life in him. He's wanting to tell you, um, he's wanting to direct you into your future. Does that sound like good news to anybody? Because it is, and it helps us. You get that beginning of the day sorted out and everything else in the day. You could have, you could have hell bombarding you, and it's like, well, I've got my foundation for the day. You know, I'm right, I've got the peace of God. God's given me some encouragement. I've read the scripture. I just feel spiritually alive. Right, let's go. Bring it on, whatever it is. And that's what it does. And I pray that everybody will go to a new level in God as a result of this message, this day, this prophetic day in the life of the church for us individually and together. So it's going to take a strain. It's going to take discipline. And maybe you are disciplined, but you can be even more disciplined. Uh, and with that, it, you need accountability sometimes. You need encouragement. It's not going to just happen. So just bear that in mind. And then finally to say that we want to focus on what is ahead. You know, we were created as human beings to have focus. Do you remember when you were young, you were at school, maybe primary school, and the teacher would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? you know, fireman, nurse, doctor, footballer, whatever, whatever. We inherently, within every human being, God has put the ability to see ahead, to imagine, to envision. And it doesn't happen, I don't think, with any other creature. I mean, my cat doesn't wake up in the morning and think, oh, today I'm going to catch some mice. I'm going to catch three mice today because I only caught two mice yesterday. I'm going to have a good mice catching day today. It just doesn't, it doesn't think, right, you know what, there's a few new cats in the cul-de-sac. By the end of the year, I'm going to make sure they all know his boss. I'm going to, prowl, I'm going to patrol around all the houses in the cul-de-sac. Uh, yeah, this is the vision for my life as a cat in this cul-de-sac, the mice catcher. That's what they're going to know me as. It doesn't happen. 
But as, as human beings, God's put it in us that we can envision. That's why Paul says, run the race as if to win. Because you don't win it before you start. He says, run it as if to win. You can see the goal. And I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to hopefully put something inside your spirit that God wants you to win. And he wants you to run better than you did yesterday. He wants you to run in the next three months far greater. He wants you to see some personal best in your life when it comes to life in Christ. Does anybody want that? I know it's hard, but does anybody want that this morning? Because God wants it for us. You know, the top achieving athletes today, this is all part of sports psychology. They see themselves winning. The high jump, uh, jumpist person, the high, jump, the high jumper, I'm sure there's a correct phrase. But they, they, they see the bar and they see themselves with that wonderful movement they do, getting over it. That, that it's part of the process that you see yourself winning. God has already said that you have won through him. But we want to we run this race as if to win. We don't want to just get by. And life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. But day by day, bit by bit, and comes a time where actually there's a personal best there. Or we see we have a greater vision for our life. So friends, I'm coming into land here. Don't hang on in these next few months, but press on. Press in as well. Press in to him. I don't want any of us to miss out here, but as much as I can try and do my best to deliver what I believe God wants us for us individually and as a church, it's you. You've got to do that. You've got to set your alarm. You've got to be resolute. You've got to get your Bible ready. You've got to see yourself in three months, in three days, in three weeks, whatever it is, short-term goal. Maybe just set yourself a, a short-term goal just for this week to do something, even if it's just to get up a couple of times early. But it's not just about getting up. It's about getting up with him, the master, the creator. Don't just hang on. Press on with intent, with purpose, forgetting what is behind, looking forward to what is ahead. This is what I believe God is calling to us. And when we come back in three months' time, we're not coming back to mop anything up. We don't need to. You guys, you guys are going to do fantastic. We're coming to be in awe of the stories that you tell us that you've done. I mean, don't go and plant a church without me. Just leave that one till we go back. But, <laughs> but the, the, the people that you evangelized to, the healings that you saw, the intimacy, the, the vision that God gave you for your life. I want, I want to hear, we want to hear all these stories when we get back because there's greatness in every single one of us. And I call that out right now. And what we're going to do to end this service before just Lynn wraps up is that... We're